You're listening to The Coffee Podcast, where focus is people and our language is coffee. My name is Weston Peterson. And I'm Jesse Hartman. This is your platform for people-focused coffee talk. There are a lot of coffee inventions out there these days, and a lot of coffee inventions starting on Kickstarter. Uh, We've seen things like third wave water, in more recent days, we've seen the Perk Brewer um, and also the Kruve Sifter, which has been uh, in the coffee media quite a lot in the past few weeks. And while Wes isn't here to be excited with me about this interview, I know he's excited where he is. Uh, let me introduce to you Adam and Merrick from Kruve Incorporated. Uh, yeah, my name is Adam Krupa. I'm, uh, my background is in electrical engineering, and I'm the CEO of Kruving, and kind of the coffee geek, a little bit of a uh, mad scientist, maybe. <laughs> yeah, you, get, you would kind of have to be a coffee geek to do what you guys do, right? Sure, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Merrick, how about you? Yeah, my name is Merrick Krupa, and I'm the, the CFO and one of the co-founders of Kruve. Awesome. So you both must have your st- your story about coffee. Um, Adam, let's start with you. Where did you begin in coffee? If you have any background, just like feel free to, to tell us your story there. Well, I have no formal background in coffee. Um, like I mentioned, I do have some engineering, but that kind of uh, helped me, uh, I would say, question some of the things about coffee that I've been experiencing, trying to brew a better cup uh, over the years. And, and that kind of led us to uh, where we are today with developing uh, Kruv and, and having defining grind size. Definitely. So did you did you have, um, I, know, I know this is sometimes really difficult to reach back in your mind, but what was your first experience with coffee? Did you love it? Did you hate it? Did you need it? I'm sure the first time I hated it, I drank uh, coffee with a lot of milk and sugar initially. And then as I was introduced to third wave coffee and, and experience some of the tastes and and all the complexities of coffee i kind of started going with uh, going away from sugar and trying to replicate that at home and that was been that's been the, the biggest challenge and that's kind of again how how all this started yeah absolutely so merrick how about you have you always loved coffee or, or is this a newer thing for you as well i started getting into coffee about uh, six or seven years ago, uh, one of the first coffees that I actually drank and enjoyed was just from a, an old Italian stovetop percolator uh, that one of my friend's uh, father made for me. Nice. And it, the Italian way of drinking it, they used to use a lot of sugar. So when I tried it, I'm like, oh, this tastes like chocolate. This is amazing. <laughs> and kind of that was my, my first step into coffee. And then from there, uh, just buying like pre-ground in the store and got my own little percolator. Yeah. And it, that's the kind of where, where it started. It's funny, you know, Wes couldn't be with us uh, to talk about all these things together, but uh, he actually also started on a percolator. So um, I don't think that's too uncommon. There's something about the percolator that that uh, drives that passion for coffee. It's I don't know, maybe it's the it's almost a show to to do the percolator on the stovetop, and I think that's kind of part of the appeal. But um, all that to say, that's not important. Let's move on. Uh, what is Kruv Inc? Because technically you guys are Kruv Inc, right? 
yeah, yeah. So we are uh, crew and uh, we are five guys. Uh, three of us are brothers. So myself, Adam and Carol. And then the two other co-founders are also brothers, uh, Mark and Mike. Um, and actually, that's where the name comes from, Krupa and Vecchiarelli. Oh, okay, cool. Very cool. So, uh, Kruv Inc. And right now, you guys have the Kruv Sifter. Do you guys have anything else on the market, or is, is this the first thing? So, I guess I'll take that one. Um, Kruv uh, Sifter is our first uh, product. Uh, we are uh, looking into other things that... Um, we think the coffee industry could use possibly uh, questioning some other principles and, and things like that. That's kind of where a lot of our ideas stem from. Yeah. And uh, we'll let you know if yeah, <laughs> once yeah. we have something else. Totally. And Merrick, while we're at it, let's. Uh, I want to ask you, what are your experiences with the word specialty or the words third wave coffee? Uh do you have a positive, a negative, a neutral reaction to that to those terms? I I think it's definitely very positive. Okay. What's what's happening now in in coffees? What was happening in wine uh, all those years ago, where you started focusing on the actual growers and the different varieties? Whereas uh, he's growing up in Canada, uh, Tim Hortons is like our Dunkin' Donuts, and that coffee is just. Like if you ask what kind of coffee it is, they're like, yeah, it's it's coffee. Like there's there's <laughs> no type of bean or origin or anything. And uh, I think having the single origin or these kind of blends where you actually know about the farmer and the way the coffee was was grown is is very cool. Right, and yeah, I I think that's a good point. I I heard recently somebody was advertising like excited. They're like, there's seven different coffees in this blend, and I'm like, um. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that maybe you could still be specialty, but the the idea that like you don't really know what's in it or there's so many things in it. How do you really taste like what's going on? Uh, At that point, you're you're manufacturing a taste. And then that's what's, right. what the coffee's industry has been. What I think it's been yeah, that actually. Now. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. We're not going to dive into that, but that's definitely something good. We might come back to later on the podcast. That's a great point. So, uh, Adam. What is your experience with those words? I know you're. I know you're really new into uh, the coffee scene, and so did you start with specialty coffee, or, or am I messing? Well, up? actually, yeah, I actually started with a, a percolator like Merrick. Okay, I was living in Europe at the time, and that that was like the thing to do. So um, that's how I started, and uh, pretty soon was introduced to pour overs, and, and and that's where I actually started tasting the coffee. <laughs> yeah. Going from, you know, being like, what can I put in this to make it taste better so I can drink it and enjoy it to, oh, wow, it tastes like blueberries or, you know, what have you, caramel on its own. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's, let's go ahead. We're going to transition now into the Kruv sifter itself. I know that this is, uh, this is a really hot topic and um, a lot of the uh, specialty coffee realm, you know, whether cafe or home use, uh, the crew has really made a lot of splashes. I know you guys, you guys have been on um, in a few magazines, right? Yeah, I think we've been we've been featured on the the digital versions of uh, most of the the big magazines. Definitely, uh, Sprudge and uh, Roast Magazine, Daily Coffee News, uh, Fresh Cup. Yeah, so the sifter itself is definitely making splashes in specialty coffee. 
uh, for obvious reasons. Um, but I'm going to let you both, in your own terms, describe the Kruv Sifter. So, Adam, how would you describe the Kruv Sifter? So, at its basic level, it's uh, a tool that allows you to measure grinds. Um, when you're so far, we've never really had a way to measure and communicate grind size. And grind size is, is so important when brewing coffee. So uh, when you can now measure grind size, you can use that to share recipes. You have a level of accuracy in that. Uh, you can then use that to calibrate your grinder to a specific range. And because um, we have double sieves, you can now kind of, well, not kind of, but you can precisely identify what grind size you want. And you can then create like a grind profile, which you've never really been able to do previously with grinders. Yeah, absolutely. And before I, I ask any more questions, Merrick, I want to hear your take on the crew. How would you, and like, say I am just, you know, a person just getting into specialty coffee, brewing at home. How would you describe the crew sifter to me? I'd say that it's it's the next tool, just like a, a thermometer or a scale, to give you that control and precision to make that better cup and to make it the same time and time again. Um, so that's one of the benefits of, uh, of a scale or what a thermometer does, is that it, it gives you that, uh, that, that feedback, that precision where just getting into coffee, if you're watching YouTube videos about, okay, what... Uh, temperature should I use, how much coffee, there wasn't really a way of saying, oh, well, set your grinder to a medium course, which is so arbitrary. So I guess people would use like, oh, sea salt or uh, sugar, but that's, again, I also arbitrary. I had like, yeah, yeah, three different kinds of sea salt. I'm like, well, <laughs> which one is it? Yeah, my, so, my, my uh, grinder for home for my salt, I can change the grind. So that's not very helpful at all. Yeah, no, but, definitely. Yeah, so I I mean so the the sifter itself, uh the idea of the sifter has been embraced by uh by a lot of people. In fact, we had uh Jeremy from Socratic Coffee on the show and he's like he told us just in passing while we we're talking that he uses a sifter at home before he brews his coffee because he understands that that uniform particle size is extremely important if you want to uh, maintain the variables there are when you're brewing. So, um, I have to ask you guys, what inspired the sifter? I think uh, me and Merrick were going down this rabbit hole of, of trying to create the best coffee possible at home. And one of the things that we were looking at and, and uh, buying all sc uh, the scales and everything like that and following recipes to the tea, and I just couldn't understand that uh, the grind size was uh, something medium fine, or uh, there was no way to measure that. And uh, when I looked at the actual size, the, uh, the grinds that were coming out of my grinder, I realized there was such a large scale and variety and, and size difference between them that I just picked up a sieve and started sieving out some of the smaller or larger particles. Okay. And, and when I started, precise, it was a, a kitchen strainer to be exact. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I just went through the raided the kitchen and took anything that had little holes in it and from yeah. their various sizes and, and just started, uh, yeah, trying to um, put the coffee into its most basic component form and into like a, a smaller. Yeah. Um, 
range. So, so just curious, uh, at home, were you able to identify what the like common uh, micron size was for those uh, the sieves that you have for your kitchen? No, like- at that point, no, at that point, no. We just we just noticed that when doing this, we had a completely different taste, and uh, it was yeah. a much cleaner cup. It was you can actually tell uh, uh, all the different um, flavors that that were developed from it, and the next step was to buy a, a set of scientific sieves, which were right. very expensive, but then we can then kind of relate that to a specific grind size. Okay, so let me, and I, I'm, I'm just kind of speculating here as I, as I talk. So it sounds to me like a frustration at home to maintain your particle size in your ground coffee led to the use of industrial or, right, industrial sieves, um, which are expensive, um, and so was that like the moment you were like, man, we could make this cheaper and available to the community, um, in a shape that makes sense? Like, is it, was that kind of the natural progression or? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, we started researching it and noticed that there are people that have been talking about using a very, um, narrow grind range or something that's that's known so it, we knew that it wasn't something that uh, we came up with but we saw that people were using uh, these large sieves or something that's cumbersome and we wanted to create something uh, that's more user-friendly and and fits in your hand and is specific to coffee because uh, all those laboratory sieves are made to sift rocks essentially right and <laughs> I, I assume like large rocks or I guess, well different size rocks. Yeah, different size rocks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I think one of the first uh, the first sets we bought was uh, for like gold, uh, like gold panning to see what size gold pieces you have. Yeah. So that's kind of where, where we started, and uh, definitely when when Adam showed me and he actually gave me just two coffees and I didn't know what he was what he was talking about, and he's like, just try them. And I tried him like, what would you do with this? Like, how, how is this so much better? And then he, he showed me what he did, that he just passed the coffee through his strainer. And it just, a light bulb went off and we started Googling and checking out. And uh, it turns out that we weren't onto something revolutionary new. It, it was around. We just didn't know about it. Yeah. And, and, and nobody kind of took it and ran with it yet. Yeah, definitely. Especially, especially in the co- consumer side. I mean, because you can get, you can get sieves, like you said, industrial ones. They're just really expensive. Yeah, the ones that are calibrated to a specific grind size, they're $100 a sieve. Yikes. And to make anything that's, um, that you, if you want to experiment now with making something that's uh, a little bit coarser or finer or specifically to whatever, 300 or 400 or 800 microns, then you need a whole stack of these, right? <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. And and I see too how um I mean the videos are available on your website. You don't want to get too deep into this because we have more questions, but you're able to with the crew sifter go, well, I can set myself between, you know, this size and that size and know that I'm within a range that's gonna be great for a clever, a Chemex, a you know, an Aeropress, a French press. And that's I, I think that's really unique um to your product um and the fact that it's available at the price it is so yeah and in in the product we offer a like a brew guide which is just a a starting point of uh, 
things that we've tried and experimented with that we found tasted great. And the, the grind sizes vary depending on the volume, depending on contact time with water, um, depending if there's pressure or not. So just even in it, using AeroPress, that little amount of pressure actually changes uh, the way the coffee extracts. Right. And, and again, just to, to beat it, um, the fact that you have a more uh, even particle size throughout your brew is that's it's just unheard of because I think we're all just so used to brewing with boulders and fines of unknown amounts, right? And yeah, from the feedback yeah. we've been getting, uh, it was actually a lot of people were commenting that the boulders were impacting the flavor more than those uh, fines. And uh, we, we call fines basically, right now it's an arbitrary term, but right. you can actually <laughs> classify it now. So I'm referring to fines when I say anything that ends up in our bottom tray. So if you're using a 300 size sieve at the bottom, <coughs> fines are below that. Excuse me. Um, so yeah, it, by eliminating oh, uh, by eliminating the the bottom end and that top end, you're getting uh, that kind of mean average that's a lot more precise. So when you're extracting, no longer are those little little particles over extracting and those big ones under extracting, which are producing a sour flavor and the other ones are producing bitter <coughs> flavor. You actually get a proper sweet extraction, and that's how it highlights those. Like you said, those tasting notes, those blueberry or, or whatever actually the, the bean itself tastes like. Right, right. Um, yeah, so if I yeah. could give you like a little bit of a even a comparison. So um, when you're grinding, and a typical grinder, let's say uh, you're grinding the traditional medium uh, grind for, let's say, a pour over. And so you, you're going to find that when you actually measure the grind, you're going to have particles as small as uh, 100 microns and as big as 1,200 microns and a lot of times even bigger. Now, uh, to give you like a comparison to something that maybe uh, people are more familiar with, let's say you're cooking, because these are small particles, so you can't really tell that big of a difference. But let's say you're cooking something like a, a, a steak, for instance. So that would be comparable to cooking either a 2-inch steak versus a 10-inch steak. That's the, the mm -hmm. size difference. It's the 10 times size difference versus um, that's what we're trying to do and, and brew and try to extract the same amount of um, or, or extract the larger and the smaller particles at the same time. And, and every single particle size extracts at a different rate. So it's, it's really important, just like when you're cooking that meat or potatoes or whatever, that you have a uniform size so right. that you can have uni uniformly you cook this either the way you want it, right? No, absolutely. And, and we've, um, <clears throat> we've covered extraction uh, to the extent that we can cover it on the podcast before. So our listeners know that um, really fine uh, ground coffee is going to extract <clears throat> faster than, you know, a really large particle of coffee. And so, yeah, back to it. It, it, it makes that, uh, makes your coffee in a range that you can uh, control, or at least you have more control over it. So you have more control over your uh Overall brew. I know you used the word overall like seven times there, but we all get the picture. Mm -hmm. so, <laughs> so, what kind of skepticism? Because I'm sure you've received some. What kind have you received uh, over the Kroof Sifter? Um, so, uh, I, I, maybe, maybe I can start. I, I've been handling uh, a lot of the uh, customer support, and uh, a lot of the um, questions were like, I can't believe that you're telling me to grind this fine or this coarse. 
and it's it, it varies depending on which country. And I guess um, that really it's not surprising that uh, when you're trying to define grind size uh, with regards to salt, then different countries have different size salt. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that that's where some of this uh, arbitrary size comes from. And grinders don't really do a good job of uh, creating any type of accuracy. Like every single setting, and we've tried many grinders, um, the same grinder from the same manufacturer produces a different grind at the same exact setting because right. the birds are aligned pro- differently or, or they're worn differently. Um, so that that's kind of the basis for being able to, like you said, control and measure. Right. And and that's not even counting the other variables. Like I, I assume bean density has an effect on, uh, you know, how the grinder operates as well. I can't, I mean, I'm not for sure, but I assume that would be true. It is. And we couldn't believe it at the beginning when we tried to, even as the beans age, the same bean just a week later grinds completely differently than when it's freshly roasted. Yeah, that's um, wild. Yeah, and and you can see this because just uh, the 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 amount of coffee that ends up at the top or the bottom uh, right. varies. That's so interesting. So, um, Merrick, you had something too on that. Yeah, one of the common questions that people ask is uh, about waste. It's it's one of the kind of the, the number one things people ask about is like, well, I'm going to be using so much more coffee, and it's from our experiences, it's actually not the case. Um, like I'll give you an example. When I usually brew an AeroPress, before sifting, I would start with around 16 grams of coffee. Now, I still use 16 grams of coffee after refining with a properly calibrated grinder. And I, I use uh, the Rock hand grinder, which is it's, it's okay. Um, I brew with around 14 grams. So I have that around two, sometimes two and a half uh, grams of those small particles. I regrind the top layer, so that's how I can kind of maximize that yield. Right. Uh, so if I'm using, say, a 350 to 900 size micron range, um, I get that that same cup if they're using the same amount of coffee. So I'm not really it, the cup isn't costing me more money. I'm not throwing away coffee, uh, and it's one thing that we've we've tried to get across to people that don't try to updose to say 18 or 20 grams to get the 16, but try using the 16 grams or, or for Chemex if it's 32 or 54, whatever it is that you prefer and brew with whatever you have left over in Interesting. that middle, middle tray. That, yeah. Usually you have to, you have to modify your, uh, your brew times because if you've isolated and you've removed say below 350 microns, now you're not really worried about those small particles over extracting so quickly. So by extending that brew time from to an AeroPress for like two and a half minutes, three minutes, you actually get a much higher TDS without that kind of bitter note at the end. Uh, that, that's that's what we've found from our experience, and people, uh, customers have actually come back with this uh, very similar results. Right, and and I know there's also the debate of um, whether or not fines are good or bad for coffee. And while we were doing the Instagram live. Uh, Taylor from Third Wave Water actually chimed in and was like, well, you could technically add the fines back to your filtered coffee and just stir it in, right? Because they're, yeah, they're that tiny. Yeah, we've had actually uh, a few baristas use the sifter um, in competition. And I know of one of them who actually uh, brewed a pour over for, say, the two minutes. And for that last 30 seconds, he put those fines back in. 
because now he can actually control how long they were extracting for. So now you're fully maximizing the coffee without worrying about those fines over extracting. Yeah, that, that's really, I mean, the when I first got into specialty coffee, especially home brewing, I wasn't thinking about sifters, to be honest. I was thinking about, you know, brew ratio, um, water temperature, and all these other things. And this is a this is a variable I think a lot of people aren't that aware of. And when it comes to uh, brewing coffee well, or repeating experiments, basically, it's important to have um, those variables under control. And so being able to add fines at the end of your brew is just something so new and unique. Uh, I, I might have to find this barista who did that and kind of link to him because that, that's such a cool idea. And to compete with that is pretty bold as well. Yeah, definitely. And once we were, when we were getting into coffee, when we asked people, well, if I have $1,000 to split, spend, where should that money go, say, if you're getting to espresso? And everyone would always say, oh, spend more on a grinder. And at the beginning, when we didn't really know much about coffee, it didn't make any sense at all. Like a grinder's a grinder's a grinder. He just chops it up into smaller pieces. But it's such a crucial part of the, the coffee making experience. And uh, a grinder setting to uh, an, like an espresso size, um, because most grinders, I'm talking about like gap grinders, so a burr, whether it's conical or a flat burr, it's almost easier to make a really fine grind than a uniform coarse grind. Because if you're setting it to, say, a Chemex size, um, say if it's a 1200 micron gap, anything smaller than 1200 will falls through. And right. Beans don't, they don't uh, magically cut into little pieces. They shatter like glass into little tiny pieces and big pieces that keep getting reground, that keep going into smaller pieces. Right. So, Definitely, the, a grinder is, is a key component to the coffee making experience. So I have to ask you too, because I know design is an important part of uh, this uh, crew sifter. How difficult was it to design the sifter to make sense in the cafe and the home? So the, the design crew has to go to uh, our partner Mike. Um, he created the shape, and uh, we spent. Uh, then several months after that, trying to figure out how we can get the sieves to, to line up properly, to seal and uh, the kind of engineering aspect and having been, be able to be manufactured. Um, like it, it made sense to design aesthetically and functionally. But when we went to our manufacturers to try to produce it, they're like, well, why don't you make it round? Uh, it's so much easier. And um, that was a big challenge in, in itself. Or to make it so, round to fit in your hand or... No, just it's it's that's pots and pans are round for a reason because it's easy to manufacture. As soon as you make it into a, a, a natural shape or oh, a, I see more triangular or rectangular, it's it's becomes much more difficult. That, that's something that definitely would have flown over my radar. Like I I don't think I would have uh, picked up on how difficult it would be to design it. It does. I mean, the way it fits together seems like it would be difficult to um, to master, no doubt. Merrick, how about you? you have any input on the design? Yeah, so there's there's actually a lot, of, a lot of function behind that design as well. So the shape, we wanted to make sure that we had a few criteria that had to, A, look good, but it had to function as like a pouring spout. So the way it comes to that point, it's easier to pour the coffee out into your pour over. And when we started, so one of the first products that we used when we used those industrial sieves and they were round, 
I noticed I was shaking in my hand. The, the part closest to my hand was actually not moving a lot. So when we made that triangular shape, it kind of optimized the sieving area. Mm-hmm. So what is closest to your wrist doesn't move a lot, but what's furthest away moves most. And that's that shape actually utilizes that uh, the natural hand shaking t- motion. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, this, I hope other people have talked about this because this is nothing that uh, I've heard anybody talk about is the uh, design uh, in that regard because you could easily overlook it. And I think it's because it works and nobody's complaining about the fact that the shape works. You know, if it didn't work, you'd hear all sorts of stuff. <laughs> like if it was the circle shape still and you guys released that, I'm sure people would be complaining. Yeah, we we definitely overanalyzed the the smallest details too much, uh, but I think in the end uh, we wanted to make sure that the product came out uh, functional and look great, and something that we're actually proud of to put our names on. Definitely, definitely. So let me move into the next uh, series of questions here. Really, I just have one, and it's for our listeners and new listeners. Um, the question is, why should people buy a crew sifter? In this case, let me give you two scenarios. Why should a home brewer buy a crew sifter? So I think if you're just getting into coffee, it's a great tool. But now if you're reading a form and they're talking about a brew recipe, you could follow it to the T if you know what micron range they're they're using. Um, so you could repeat that that recipe no matter where you are in the world if you're talking to a, a friend um, somewhere else. And for a pro or a coffee geek, it's that next step uh, to A, calibrate your grinder, to see if your burrs need to be replaced. Um, you should be cleaning your grinder every week or so. And every time you put it back together, it goes back a little bit differently. So your setting four before wasn't or isn't the same as it is now. So by using something that we can actually measure the grind, it gives you that level of control that a, a thermometer or scale does. Yeah. And, yeah. We, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, we've had actually a, a lot of interest, and in, this was uh, initially uh, a surprise to us, but um, from the service industry, uh, where techs go out to calibrate grinders or change burrs or service uh, at coffee shops, and they're saying that there's really nothing that they could calibrate to. They're eyeballing things. Um, so they were really excited with this that now they can use and set a, any grinder to a specific grind size. Um, and it, there's no question whether it's too big or too small. It's, right. If you want it between the mean to be 600 microns, that's where it is. And I'm going to have to say from experience, the well, first let me say there's a lot of or, or you hear a lot of complaints, and I heard this with Third Wave Water too on the cafe side, where people have this skepticism. One of the things I heard um, about Kruv, which I, I just thought people were thinking of it wrongly about the sifter, is they're like, I don't see a use for this in the cafe. You know, it's too it's too slow to, to use it for, you know, doing a pour-over or whatever complaint they had. And my experience was that calibration factor that you just talked about calibrating your grinder is so important to your brew and uh i actually used the crew sifter to calibrate uh ek43 and i was astonished at the results actually because i had to take my grinder a lot finer than i expected and i think that's kind of what you guys were talking about earlier too is um 
it in some ways it's it's defeating this uh, myth around what size coffee particle you should be brewing with because it's kind of a guessing game until you use a sifter and then you're like wow my grinder performs best here and what, what do you have to say about that calibration let's kind of go deeper into that yeah, yeah. that's uh something very important and actually i i was um, talking with ben putt yesterday uh, the canadian uh, champion he placed i think second or sorry maybe you can correct me third i think yeah, yeah. third in the Sorry, Ben, but um, he was mentioning how a lot of his customers uh, come in and say, oh, what do you recommend for, for grinding? And they show him what the grind size they use, let's say, for a French press. And he says, well, that's way too coarse. And then the next question was, well, how much coarser should it be or how much finer should it be? Right. So there's, it's, it's a endless kind of um, unknown where you can't really define it. But one of the things that uh, he mentioned is that the perception now is is to do a very coarse grind but if you think about anything larger than let's say uh 1600 uh, 1600 microns that particle is so large that you would need like literally an hour to extract all of it by that time the inside would just like let's say you have a 10 inch steak the outside would be uh charred and the inside would just be raw you, right. you can't get to the inside coffee is very similar to that so using this to even daily just to calibrate in the morning your grinder to make sure that you're not um, like sometimes you, you go to a coffee shop and you get a really good cup and sometimes it's a bad cup. Mm-hmm. What does that attribute to? Is it <laughs> is it the coffee? Is it is it the, the water? There's many variables, but like this is the this is the point of this is we want to isolate those and make it repeatable. Uh, that's why you're using a scale. That's why you're using right. a thermometer. Right. And, and I just have to reiterate, I think that the cafe's use for this to me is clearly going to be calibration and daily even because it's, it's like, uh, I think Adam, you were saying the coffee changes as, um, it degasses, right. Um, and it changes based on even the humidity, um, daily, the humidity changes in the air and, and that has an effect on the way it grinds and the way it, it extracts all those variables and, and the more we can make it more precise uh, we feel the more we can control and, and make right. that better cup oh absolutely yeah humidity plays a major role um in cafes as well and I, i'm afraid i hope none of uh, none of the listeners to this episode are thinking man there are too many variables i'm out <laughs> because it it can it can kind of sound exhausting if you start to really think about all the things that are changing um but ultimately with with the sifter you're reducing those variables and it's so true sometimes you're like wow that was an amazing cup of coffee and then next time you brew the same coffee at the same ratio with the same temperature and you're like what happened um so yeah i I think that's really interesting um but let's let's jump into so we we did an instagram live uh with the groove sifter there were a lot of questions um from the people there and, and you guys were able to answer a lot of those questions. Did you have anything um, you wanted to cover uh, here? Were there any questions that you feel like are really important to discuss? I think we, we covered most of uh, most of those issues that, uh, or the questions that people had. Yeah. Um, I think one thing I could touch on was the previous question is that the sitter kind of provides a new standardized language. So the more people that have it or that speak this new language of microns is 
is better because if if no one if one person has a scale and everyone else at home doesn't telling them 20 grams of coffee is again it's arbitrary for everyone else right so by having this accessible to people to coffee shops to caliber to grinder and to communicate or if it's a roaster and someone buys the coffee and they're asking a question well how should i grind this at home those answers are now definitive and i think that's that's something that we're definitely proud of is to have that that new language uh, right. spreading throughout the community. Right. And and I totally agree. I think, um, <clears throat> you know, as far as having uh, a reference uh, to to look to when somebody says, well, what should I grind this on? I, I even remember seeing it's on the Internet. There's a like a picture of like, oh, this is the grind size for um, French press. And this is the grind size for, um, I don't know, a percolator. And it's just a picture. And, you know, depending on how small that picture is on your screen, it's like, I still can't tell. <laughs> yeah, and uh, <laughs> people have tried, but they have failed. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think that's an important, an important point here is that you're giving a language to, or a reference point to, uh, grind setting, which, when we're living in a culture that's so excited to try, you know, this and that and that brewer and this brewer at that temperature at this ratio, uh, it would only make sense to have another tool or reference to be like, yeah, in between this micron and that micron. And then you're, you know, that's just, it's a game changer, I think. But yeah, um, in, so in the industry, I mean, the SCAA has defined uh, grind size specific to a micron range. So, for instance, a cupping standard is a 20 size mesh, which is 841 microns, and um, you want to have 75% pass through that mesh. Uh, what that ratio is, that's uncertain at this point. Uh, we hope to introduce a, a finer standard where it's between this and this. Mm -hmm. But there is, it's, it's, it's a language that's introduced but just it wasn't accessible like like i mentioned some of these sieves they're they're uh, over a hundred dollars right and i and I, that you're right i mean i i'm assuming people could go out and they could figure out uh you know what sieve they needed and industrial size and go and order it but that's not practical financially and i think one of the most uh one of the coolest things about the specialty coffee um, culture where it is now is it's becoming more and more accessible, I think, financially, too, as, you know, more and more Kickstarters happen and more products are available at a reasonable price range. Because, you know, I don't know, maybe five years ago, specialty coffee, um, you know, brewing it at home even was, was pretty expensive. But I have seen efforts to make... Uh, you know, there's innovation uh, at reasonable prices. And then on top of that, there are, um, you know, remakes or new models of things that are cheaper. And uh, as far as Kroof's concerned, you know, um, how, how many, can you walk me through the different uh, size sieves you have? You have a few different models, right, that you sell? Yeah, so currently we have uh, three different models and they range from a two sieve. Uh, which comes with a 400 and 800, which we find this is just it's a great starting point for a lot of different coffees like pour overs or aero presses, and then it goes up to one that has a little bit more control. So it's the Sifter Six, um, which goes from 200 to I believe 1,000 uh, in 
larger increments, and then a sifter 12, which goes all the way from a 200, 250, 300, all the way up to a 1100. And uh, we've actually just released, or it's in production right now, three larger sizes. It's going to be a 1200, 1400, and 1600 micron. Uh, for those people who just wanted to do more cold brews or just larger batches of coffee where they wanted that uh, larger particle size. Yeah, and I I think that availability too to to say hey the you know the most basic size that you guys have available is practical in most coffee settings right I think the uh, the more sieves you get into the more control you get into um, I would definitely recommend the more uh, sieves for something like calibrating grinders right for sure and depending on uh, your preferred brew method if you're more of a an espresso uh, drinker we've made actually the those lower end sieves in finer increments so there are 50 microns apart and then the larger sizes you go so like a 500 600 there are about 100 micron increments and then when you go to the the end of the spectrum there are 200 micron increments right uh, because in an espresso that's where it really matters if you're pulling a shot for 16 seconds or 18 seconds dialing in that grinder and, and repeating it day after day is is important Definitely, definitely. So let's move into our uh, final words here. We have a set of uh, three questions that we ask every guest on the show. And it's just a way for us to um, kind of reflect on your experiences, what you project uh, is going to happen in the coffee industry. And uh, it's your opportunity to offer resources for our listeners. So the first question, I'm going to direct this first to Adam. Uh, what do you, or I'm sorry, where do you see coffee going in the next five years? I think uh, coffee will be more specialized. Uh, there will be more emphasis played on um, or uh, single origin beans and, and having that um, story behind, maybe not even a story, but just the knowledge of where this came from, how it was roasted, making sure that the farmer has their share and uh, people care about that, and I think uh, more so than ever. And, and that's the direction I think uh, we're going to be going in, in terms of um, the quality of the bean is going to be um, a lot better. And at the same time, it's that our instruments are, are going to be. Uh, it's going to be more important that we have the proper tools to extract whatever the farmer uh, and put in their their care and love into the bean to to make it. Uh, that's special. Yeah. Merrick, how about you? Yeah, very similar. I think Australia is setting a, a really great precedent in their whole coffee culture and the way coffee is presented there. People value it and, and treat it um, not like a Dunkin' Donuts, Tim Hortons type of coffee. It's uh, more like a fine wine. And uh, there's things in the news all the time now that, oh, there's a $15 cup or and people are kind of outraged that, well, how, how could you spend that much money on coffee? But it's becoming more mainstream that it's, it's more than just, you know, that wake me up, uh, that little kick in the morning. But there's, it's more complex and there's more to it in the varieties of coffee. And, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's only going to get more, uh, more mainstream, this, this third wave. Cool, cool. All right, Merrick, I'm going to field this to you. What is the single best piece of advice you've ever received? And it doesn't have to be coffee related. 
I think uh, I not, I can't remember who told me this, but uh, it was in regards to business and to product development. Uh, we've been developing products for the last few years now, and everyone always has these ideas that like, oh, I had this idea 20 years ago. Oh, uh, if, if only I could make this. And somebody just said, just do it. Well, what's stopping you? Why, why don't you just take that risk and make that product or, or follow down that road that you think this product should exist or this service? And when we actually tried it and we did it, you've continued to do it. So uh, I think definitely if somebody has an idea, there's so many great platforms, like you mentioned, like Kickstarter, Indiegogo, if you don't have the finances for it, but if you have a vision and you can share that with people, there's ways of, of making it happen. Yeah, definitely. How about you, Adam? Um, I also can't remember who told me this, but uh, it probably was my dad. Uh, and, and he said uh, to work hard at everything you do and, and, and bring your um, A game to everything that you do. And, I think that that's uh, a good philosophy for life that there's so many things that come along with that, Um, making sure that you you live the moment and you put all your effort into whatever you're doing. Absolutely. And I guess the opposite of that would be to become complacent. And it is easy to do that. It's easy to, to kind of be like, to get into the flow of something and then to lose vision or to lose passion. Um, or to settle for something less than you originally planned for. Yeah, that's that's uh, <clears throat> both those great advice. Uh, and finally, uh, I'll shoot this to Adam first. Are there any resources that uh, you couldn't do crew without? Books, websites, um, speakers? Um, definitely recommend as far as uh, authors or books, uh, Four Hour Work Week by Tim Ferriss. Um, he was uh, a, a catalyst to to uh, starting this. We were looking at uh, doing something uh, of our own and ha- having that um, push. Um, but at, uh, I would say, like as far as tools, uh, Kickstarter was was huge. And uh, like Merrick mentioned, it's a platform that anybody can get on. And I encourage everybody that has that idea to to do that. Awesome. And Merrick? I have to say Kickstarter. It uh, it, it definitely helped us uh, come where we are. Uh, without it, we wouldn't maybe not have the finances or, or not take that risk. It's one thing to, to have an idea. And if you've saved up, saved up all your money, it's very risky to, to kind of jump in the deep end with it. But also knowing that people are interested in your product and your idea and that kind of proof of concept. Uh, Kickstarter is great for that as well. It's the feedback we've got from uh, our first backers, uh, who are now our, our our loyal fans, and it's it's amazing that the whole community of not just Kickstarter but crowdfunding in general, um, it's it was a very positive experience. Awesome, very cool. And we've seen a lot of, I mean, I have to praise Kickstarter too because we've seen a lot of great uh, innovation come out of Kickstarter. <clears throat> you know, uh, third wave water was another one. Uh, you guys kind of launched around the same time, right? Yeah, it was pretty similar. We, we definitely backed them. So we're still waiting yeah. on our, on our pledge. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, uh, yeah, it's definitely worth it. Well guys, uh, one final question and this one's really easy. Where can, uh, the listeners of the coffee podcast find Crove? Where are the different, uh, venues? 
Uh, well, we're on uh, Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, um, but definitely our website has uh, the most up-to-date information. Unfortunately, we're pretty much sold out of everything at the moment. We, we didn't yeah. anticipate the demand. Yep. And uh, so we're, we're working. The, the production is going. We hope to have more product available about mid to end of May. Uh, there's a few uh, of our reseller partners around the world that have inventory, but unfortunately, we're we're completely out. Wow. Yeah, and and to uh, clarify, the website and all the other channels, they're crewinc.com or crewinc. Okay. Awesome, guys. Well, thank you for agreeing to be on the Coffee Podcast. Uh, thanks for your time and your insight, and uh, we hope to talk to you soon. Uh, thank awesome. you. Thanks for having us. Bye, right, guys. Bye. Yeah, thank you. Well, we're thankful to Adam and Merrick for being on the show to give us a little insight into the Crew Sifter. We want to hear your thoughts, so hit us up at our Instagram at the Coffee Podcast, or hit us up on our website at thecoffeepodcast.org. Happy brewing. <laughs>